It's time now for the Right Hook Health Checkup in the company of Dr. Kira Kelly. We look at your personal health problems with uh, contributions from me and expertise from the good doctor. If you have any questions, send us a text to 53106, which, of course, you've been doing in spades over the last week and months. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thank you, George. Uh, I trust you're uh, sitting comfortably in the studio in Dublin White. I luxuriate in the extraordinary studios here in the Opera House in Cork. <laughs> I'm familiar with the Opera House um, studios. So, so yes, we're both in the lap of luxury, George. You're, you're quite right. All right. Now, this is a really good question from Tipperary, from Paul. Long-term chronic pain for 10 years. GP says, live with it. Now, one of the great advances, surely, Kira, in medicine is pain control. Nobody should be in chronic pain for 10 years. Yeah, I, I think this actually is a very interesting question because he, sa- he says two things. He said, my GP says live with it, he says, but it's kind of hard, he says, with no meds for the pain. Um, for a start, I, I don't think he should necessarily be on no meds for the pain. There, the, I, I think pain is twofold, George, and that's why it's really interesting. Is There's the actual pain you experience, and, and we need to try and manage that as best we can. Um, and then there is our relationship with pain. Then there is how much the pain upsets us, our perception around the pain and all that. And in that space, in the perception around our pain, I think it is reasonable, perhaps not to put it in such blunt terms, but to sometimes say to patients, look, you're going to have to find a way to manage a certain amount of this pain psychologically because of this, because as we go up the pain ladder of medication, the side effects from the drugs become increasingly severe. So so sometimes the benefit you get from, from taking a stronger painkiller is really not worth it because of the side effects. Do you know what I mean? But there shouldn't be no pain medication. I mean, the... the one 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 aspect of pain medication is people take anti-inflammatories and, and you can't take them sort of forever and ever because they're, they're toxic, but, but they're useful from time to time with pain. But then on the pain ladder, there's the bottom rung would be paracetamol. The next rung up would be something like salpidine. Then you go up from there to slightly stronger codeine and paracetamol-based things like Tylex and Salpidol that people may be familiar with. Yeah. Then you go on to more stronger opioid-based ones like Tramadol or... You know, there's, yeah, a, there's a load of them, but he shouldn't be on nothing. Is is, is my point? Marie or uh, Marie or Mary, depending on what part of the country you come from, six weeks to reduce cholesterol before the doctor prescribes statins. Current cholesterol seven point two. All suggestions welcome. Well, you can't reduce cholesterol in six weeks, can you? Well, you could you could bring it down a little bit in six weeks, um, and you can certainly bring it down over about twelve weeks. Um, what this lady should be doing is looking at two things. She should be looking at a low cholesterol diet, um, well, or a low saturated fat diet. A low cholesterol diet isn't necessarily thing. So, so eggs, for example, have cholesterol in them, but they're good for you. So, but but like fatty fatty foods, like fried chips and things, are not good for you. So, so reduce the saturated fat in your diet. That's one thing. But one of the things that I think is very important important for people to remember is this is it's as important if not more important to have a high good cholesterol as to have a low bad cholesterol so we want to have a really high HDL cholesterol we want to have a high positive cholesterol so if this lady starts eating lots of oily fish like salmon or mackerel or those types of things salmon is the, the most common one that people in Ireland eat if she was to eat salmon two or three times a week 
or also maybe consider taking something like omega-3 fish oils, she will raise her good cholesterol, which is cardioprotective. If you can get your HDL up over two, the fact that you have a higher bad cholesterol is not nearly as significant. Um, and so, yeah, so but sorry, I was always impressing you with, uh, um, you know, uh, how good I was and everything with my cholesterol. Yeah, your cholesterol's great. And then your man, no, it isn't. Your man, Ronan Margie, the heart surgeon down the matter here in Cork, he suddenly says, oh, well, your bad cholesterol is up. You know, so suddenly I discovered for the first time ever that there were two cholesterols. There's actually three. <laughs> there's total. Well, we're not going there. <laughs> there's we're total cholesterol. There. There's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol. You want a high good one. You want a low bad one, and you want a you know a reasonably low total one. Push up your good cholesterol. That's what I would say to Mary. I would say take your salmon, okay. take your omega three oils. Push up your good thing. Cut your saturated fat. And as a woman, if particularly right. if she's under the age of sixty five. I wouldn't worry unduly. There well, you. now, all it was all women last week because apparently all the men were watching yeah. the match. But there's still a few women hangover questions like 52-year-old Mary. She has pain in both legs from the knees down when she lies down. She's had it for two nights. Would you not tell Mary, come back to us in two weeks? Yeah, you and I are generally speaking on the same page about these things. We very little, uh, something for two nights is probably an acute thing. So she probably walked too far or she climbed the stairs unexpectedly or she did something, you know, she was on an escalator or something. Yeah. It's probably yeah. merely an acute thing. It, no, it, I'm not saying that absolutely is the case because for all we know, she has some mad thing like erythema, nodosum or something, something wacky. We've no way of knowing. But what I would suggest is, Yes, if it's only there for two nights, I'd be inclined to say, take a bit of paracetamol, put your feet up and uh, come back to us in two weeks if, if, if it hasn't gone away. put her to the top of the list. We will, we will. We, we're, we're, we'll be here for you, Mary. Now, what about the 47-year-old man who has a hemochromatosis, yes. chronic fatigue? Are these... Um, Levels, energy levels going to come up and also uh, he suggests we should do a piece on it because tons of people have it. Is that true? We could do a piece on it. We might not do a piece on it this week but because we, we have lots of questions to get through but we could do a piece on it, George. Hemochromatosis is also sometimes referred to as the Celtic disease because genetically speaking the Irish fair-skinned race that we kind of come from, the majority of us in this country, not everybody obviously, um, we have a high dis- sort of um, disposition to, to developing hemochromatosis. And what hemochromatosis is, for anyone who doesn't know, is, is that the body is storing too much iron. So, so your iron levels go up, your blood becomes too rich, so your hemoglobin level climbs, and it also has a detrimental effect on your liver. So there's a few things that go on. One of the treatments for hemochromatosis is a thing called venesection, which you may be familiar with, George. In the olden days, you'll like this. It used to be called bloodletting. Um, and it's when you go into hospital and they drain off a pint or two of your blood. And that way, they reduce your iron store they reduce your haemoglobin level and yes as this gentleman is asking us your energy levels do improve because if you look at that movie The Madness of King George all they were doing to the poor fellow was draining <laughs> blood every day no wonder he was sick he like, didn't even know? have haemochromatosis he had a, had a metabolic disease he had a different thing but right. <laughs> but do you know what do you know one of the quick rules of thumb for people who might sort of wonder do they have haemochromatosis and it is very common in Ireland not, it's kind of underdiagnosed is one is it in your family? Do you have a relative with it? And two, 
do you look bronzed? Because people with high iron levels often have a kind of a golden tan that doesn't really look like what the Irish have. So, th- so they have kind of brown, kind of um, very tanned looking skin. So if you're that person, go and get a blood test. Yeah. Now, this fella says 10 weeks ago, a sharp pain in his heel. Then he started getting pains in his forearm below the elbow. It's still very painful, even though he's strapping it. He has rheumatoid arthritis. And then he asks a great question. Should I see a doctor or will the pain go away? (laughs) I would suggest, first of all, you go and see a doctor. But this is tricky. Pain in the heel, surely, is one of the trickiest things to get rid of. It is. And can be misdiagnosed. This guy, if he's correct and that he is, and we have to presume he is, I suppose, that he has rheumatoid arthritis, that's a very complicated illness. Uh, The inflammatory arthritis are quite hard to manage and they should be managed by a rheumatologist rather than a GP really and I know you're always pro the rheumatologist and I'm always saying no no GPs can manage that but rheumatoid arthritis is quite a nasty illness unless um, you're very lucky and get a very mild case of it and it needs to be managed with medication and all sorts of things to modify its its kind of progress but these, Sorry Dr Kelly to give you a full title these would seem to be the symptoms of somebody with rheumatoid arthritis. Well actually here's the thing, rheumatoid arthritis is usually symmetrical so you get pain in both your heels or both your elbows not one so I'm it wondering is this something else on top of his rheumatoid gout the dreaded gout it could be gout although to have gout in two places at the same time is, is, is unlikely because gout is what we call a monoarthritis that affects one joint look stop trying to use all these big <laughs> words <laughs> and impress this is me. why you pay me the big money no but you're dealing with a gout expert yes. at this end of the phone that's the problem you can't sort of feed me a whole pile of big Latin my, names and that <laughs> I fade off into the sunset <laughs> my guess is you this, can is, this get, is you can get gout anywhere and everywhere you can but one joint at a time George and he's got an elbow and a heel my guess is that this is not his rheumatoid arthritis because it's not bilateral or, or both sides of his body at once and it's not gout because there's two joints involved. I think he probably has something like uh, a tennis elbow and I think he probably has something like a heel spur or plantar fasciitis. Those- he- oh no, hold a minute. Uh, I Even I know plantar fasciitis, heel spurs, they are incredibly difficult yes. to get rid of. And they're sore. Usually cortisone injections and yes. stuff but I- very difficult. But, but the last... Part of his question is this, is he says, should I go and see a doctor? Yes, you should. And (laughs) I love the way you laugh at the blatantly obvious questions were asked. But yes, you should go and see a doctor because here's the thing for this guy. You have a really complicated joint history because you're a rheumatoid arthritis patient. So you should never sit at home letting things build up because what will happen there is it'll just get worse and worse. He could go to the seventh son of a seventh son. And rub their hem. He could. He could try using a piece of Mary Magdalene's hem. Yeah, the hem is always good. And the recent arrival of the relics of St. Anthony to the pro-cathedral. There are a lot of other alternatives. Could he bury a potato? Could he rub a potato on himself and bury it in the garden as well? I think he could do that. (laughs) Now, hold a while now. Hold on, there's a couple here I'm really interested in because, you know, you'd go off again on a on a mind bender whereas it can be handled quite easily. Now, poor old Shane, 
he's washing himself. Not Shane, the sound engineer here in Cork, I hasten to add. He, he, Shane washes himself all the time and he still smells bad and he's using oceans of deodorant. You told me and you continue to tell me the one shower a day and you will smell like daffodils. Yes, and I still stand by that. What Shane needs to do is make sure that he's using a good brand of soap or shower gel. He needs to wash everything thoroughly. He needs to wash all his clothes and he needs to use more than a deodorant. He needs to use an antiperspirant, George, because deodorant is just a nice fragrance and antiperspirant actually sort of decreases the sweat. But bear in mind, just because he's washing, if he puts on the same shirt he has yesterday that has a bit of stale sweat in it, he'll still smell even if he's clean. But we, we in the 1950s, like... We must have smelt like God Almighty because nobody changed their underwear for a fortnight or their socks or whatever. Deodorants didn't arrive to to any kind of regular use until the middle 60s. I mean, people of previous generations must have smelt like death. Well, people used to say that they used to often, that half the people who used to faint in mass was because of the smell. That You'd go in in mass on a Sunday morning and the stench would be that bad and everyone was crammed in together in the heat. And between the stench yeah. and the heat, people used to be thinking they were having holy vapours right. or whatever, but they were actually hitting the decks because of the smell. Um, yes, but if everyone smelled at the same time, would we really care? If we all smell, then there's not so yeah. much of a problem. But, but he should consider, like, the shirt or his vest. Yes, or the shirt and vest well. need to be washed daily. Yeah as well. He needs to wash thoroughly with a good soapy product, maybe rinse and then wash again. He then needs to use an antiperspirant and he may need to apply it it more than once a day. Got it. He'll still be fine. What about my friend Dara Kilmartin, the eye surgeon, is probably listening. So if he's listening, he can ring in and give us the answer. Um, I've little white spots before my eyes, this listener says. Can't get rid of them. I've been told they're milk spots and there's nothing I can do. Is that true? I think when he describes the little white spots, he says by my eyes rather than before my eyes. So I think what he means is because if somebody has described them as milk spots, that he has those little kind of white heads, George. Do you know the kind of things I mean? I know what you mean. So he's not seeing white spots. No, I think he has white spots on his lids. Can anything be done? Yes. Is is it necessary? Well, if it's really bothering him, possibly. Someone like Dara Kilmartin can actually probably lance them. But what he can also do is he can practice good lid hygiene. He can... Yeah, no, 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 no. He can rub... He can rub his eyes... Lid hygiene. ...with a rough face cloth and he can use baby shampoo to wash, okay? And what they are is, in effect, they're blocked pores, George. So they're whiteheads, they're blocked pores. And if he rubs his eyes with a rough sort of a face cloth to kind of take off the dead skin cells, if he uses a bit of a soapy product that isn't a sort of a stinging one, so that kind of the no more tears baby also, shampoo. Also, they're, bla- they're blackheads, but they're white like you. Yeah, they're, they're, they're whiteheads. Right, uh, okay. And lid hygiene should get rid of them. They can be lanced with kind of a pinprick sort of a thing, but that might be yeah. that might be sort of yeah. a, a sledgehammer to crack an egg. If, if but, he, but I mean, would you would you lose a lady's choice to dance because you had white uh, spots on your eyelids? Well, hopefully you? most of those dances, the, the lights are quite low, aren't they? I, I'd say she wouldn't <laughs> catch the, the, the whites of his eyes till after, now, after they got home. Uh, this is a really important question, right? Yeah. He's 34. But when he urinates, bad pressure. There's also dribble left over. 
uh, when he finishes. I've heard about symptoms for prostate cancer, but I'm too young to have anything wrong down there. What should I do? Well, if this fella doesn't go to the doctor tomorrow, I'll personally find out his number and I'll go down and kick him in the prostate. Would you not agree? Well, I wouldn't agree with you kicking our listeners in the prostate, no. But yes, he shouldn't be feeling this build-up of pressure urinating. and it may He doesn't not, have any. It, it, it may not be his prostate, by the way, George. Some people have um, strictures in their penis, a urethral stricture, so it makes a problem for them to actually pass urine. No, Some but people it, need sorry, circumcision. Doc, doc, some people, oh. No, no, but, but there Ring could be... for the ambulance. No, no, no. no Listen, the, hold the, on a minute. There's hold something obstructing the outflow thank you, from his thank bladder. You. What I'm Finally saying is... you've yeah, got... Yeah. I'm not saying it's his prostate because we don't know, but... I'm saying nothing should be obstructing the outflow from a 34-year-old's bladder. So therefore, yes, he should go and see a doctor and get a referral to a urologist. Look at the next one. Okay. Paul, he's 36. When he brushes his teeth one out of four times, there'll be blood in the toothbrush. Should I go to the dentist? Now, come on, Kira. Will you tell him what to do in words of one syllable and stop faffing about uh, well, to be honest, what he has is gum disease and he should go to the dentist and he should also start to floss. Floss is one word. <laughs> floss between your teeth. But go and get a checkup. You probably need a scale and polish as well. You've got gum disease if your mouth is bleeding. Correct. But flossing is very difficult. It's not. It's very it simple. You're just lazy hook. That's all it is. No, I come from the generation that the entire population of Ireland lost their teeth by age 35. <laughs> most, most women, as a present for their father, instead from their father, instead of a wedding dress, got all their teeth pulled out. Oh, Jesus. George. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Oh, you have to write a book about the history of Ireland. That's I write a story do. about the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 53106, of course, is the number for your questions for Kira Kelly. On the other hand, if you text 53106, uh, the questions go straight to me. Kara uh, Kelly, GP, Greystones, where tens of thousands queue every morning for her advice, uh, will be with me next Monday with the Right Hook Health Checkup.